0: Um, looking at verse 21. Romans chapter 3, looking at verse 21 through 26. If you're new to the Bible, um, if you don't have a Bible, you want a Bible, raise your hand and, and we have a Bible for you. It's a gift from us to you. Anybody need a Bible? Or anybody need a mass too? Um, but Romans is found in the New Testament we have an Old Testament, we have a New Testament Uh, the Old Testament deals with everything everything that came before Christ's birth and so in the Old Testament we have different books from Genesis to Malachi well, today's text is going to be in Romans, Romans is found in the New Testament this is after Christ has been born and he died he was raised up to the Father as ascension. Now Christ is in heaven. Now the book of Romans is now when Christ is in heaven and Christ is calling his church on how to live. Amen. So Romans chapter three, looking at verse 21. The word of God says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in the divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's stop there. Let me pray for us. I know some of y'all looking in the Bible like, man, what is it in the world are you talking about, Christian?" If you're asking those questions, pray for me as I explain those things to you through God's word. And so let me pray for us and let's talk about what does that mean, what we just heard just a moment ago. Let me pray. Our Father God is in heaven, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, bringing us back together, Lord, to celebrate your your birth, your death, and your resurrection. Lord, we celebrate that, Lord. We don't wait to Christmas, we don't wait to Easter every sunday lord we get to celebrate lord your birth and your death and your resurrection and that's what we're here to do today today is the lord's day it's about you lord it's about your glory so lord let us honor you today and help me lord give me the strength give me the wisdom to guide your people if it's not of truth if it's not accurate if it can distract your people lord remove it from my heart from my lips from my notes But, Lord, let me, Lord, point your people to your glory. Lord, for your glory, Lord, is what needs to be seen this morning. So help us see it this morning. So even in my weakness, Lord, help me, give me strength. And for those that are here, Lord, to fight through different things in life, for them, Lord, to be able to see that they can find strength in you as well. So, Lord, we ask you to help us at this time. Bless us with a word. Give us truth here this morning. Edify your people here this morning. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. There are so many trends today that aren't really new at all. So many trends today that are not new at all. For example, I don't know if you guys watch basketball. One of, the started, one of the best trends right now is the small shorts the men wear. You guys saw the men basketball shorts now? They're really short now. A lot of them wear really, really short. About $2 above the knee. If you got to get the point. Well, that's not anything new. In the 1980s or the early 1990s, look at a guy named John Stockton shorts. I look at a lot of guys' shorts in the 1980s, basketball shorts. They was really short. You're like, how in the world did he get his leg in these pants? But that was a the trend then. But now, people have brought it back out now again. Another thing, too, you see, now is today, people are going crazy over Jordan shoes. How many of y'all have a pair of Jordans? Raise your hand. Some of y'all have multiple pair of Jordans. If I ask some of y'all, some of y'all might probably have $4,000 pair of Jordans right now in your closet, possibly right now. And right now, it's a big trend right now to buy Jordan shoes. But in the, what, 90s? People are rocking Jordan like crazy in the 90s. Air Force One, people wear now. Well, people don't wear the Black Forces, right? But people wear the Forces right now, but they used to wear them also in the 90s and 80s. You see remember these trends? You yeah. Some of you ladies like Creston, that's all about God stuff. On one website, they said this thing, I don't know what this is, y'all ladies might know it. Anybody know what mom jeans are? Yeah. Mom jeans, they is right. Known for their high waist, loose fitting and tapered around the ankles. Look. Mom jeans were incredibly popular back in the '90s and have made a strong comeback in the in the 21st centuries. What about quarter war? I said quarter war. Quarter war. War. war was incredibly popular in the '70s and was mainly used for children's clothing. Coming back into fashion in this area. do people wear quarter wars now? Well, they said it's back in trend now. That, more guess, Okay, they say another thing. Y'all. What about chunky sneakers? They said chunky sneakers. <laughs> chunky sneakers were a trend that nobody thought would come back into style again. But they were in the 80s. These have made a huge comeback with many designer brands as Gucci. I can't afford this. I don't know the other name right here. There you go. And another thing they have is called scrunchies. Is that the thing that go into hair? Yeah. 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 Hair accessories yeah. have been a massive part of fashion since the beginning of time. It's no surprise that society has gone through their fair share of trendy hair accessories. Another source says, another one that said bike shorts. Oh, bike shorts. oh yeah. Okay, bike. I know a bike shorts are They came back denim, flare pants. Okay, bomb bags. I don't know what that is. Puffy sleeves are coming back as fashion trend with with their bangs. But the reason I mention this is that a lot of things that we used to see that was so outdated, it comes back again. And a lot of times people in this generation are like, man, that's so cool to wear. We saw Kim Kardashian wear. Yeah. Or we saw this person wear. We saw uh, uh, LeBron James wear it. He had it on. And so people say, man, that's pretty cool to wear. And we look in there like, man, that's always been out. We already knew about that. Well, let me bring it back in now. Like, Preston, what did that have to do with today's text? Well, what did I have to do? You're talking about George and, and Trent. What did that have to do with today's text? Well, right now, Paul is going to remind this Roman church that righteousness of God has always been through God. This is not anything new, just like denim pants and corduroy and and the Jordan shoes that we think is new now, Paul is saying, "You think the righteousness of God is new? Because now Christ has came and went to heaven, Paul's going to explain to them that righteousness of God was already manifested throughout the Old Testament. It's not anything new. It was the same way Abraham and all the believers of the Old Testament were saved. So many people said, "How was Abraham saved?" Or how was Noah saved? Jesus wasn't there with Noah. Jesus wasn't there with Abraham. Or Jesus wasn't there with David in the Old Testament. So are they saved differently? And are the New Testament people saved another way? Well, Paul is going to explain to us today is that they're saved the same way we're saved. They're saved by faith and they find their righteousness in God just like we find our righteousness in God. So we see a whole book from Genesis to Revelation, family, from creation, from Adam and Eve at the beginning of time when nobody existed but God and Adam and Eve and animals. God was still saved by righteousness then. And when God come back on the day of judgment, when he destroyed his world, the last person on this earth only can be saved by God's righteousness. So we see from A to Z in alphabet, from Genesis to Revelation in the whole Bible, everybody is saved the same way. It's going to be by righteousness of God. It's going to be through faith and the righteousness of God. That's how salvation is going to be. It's not anything new. A lot of us get distracted like, man, you know, they did some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. What's the book of Judges? What's the jail? The one that threw the dagger to somebody's forehead? They had some crazy stuff going on in the Old Testament. But family, beside the different stories in the Old Testament and Jericho where they marched around seven times. All these amazing stories when the flood came in the Old Testament and regardless of all those things happening guess how everybody was saved? By faith in God. Amen. If you don't believe me it's okay. I got the next say 30, 45 minutes, hour, how long y'all give me. We're going to be able to walk through this and let me walk through God's word and share it with you. Here this morning. But let me catch us up real quick before I get right there into the text on the righteousness of God. Last week we ended with that all have sin. And you can't argue against the fact. All have sin. If you sin, raise your hand. All have sin. What I mean by sin is that we all have done something bad towards God. We lie before we stole things before. We did things that was dishonoring to our parents. We disobeyed our parents at times. We didn't honor God. So all of us in this room have sin. Well, the Jews might say, well, I didn't do this. Well, God said, well, you didn't keep all the laws, so you have sin. Well, for the Gentiles to say, well, I never had a law. Or well, somebody might say that, well, i never been. I never been to church before. i never known about church. But at the end of the day, you can never go to church. I mean, if you've never been to church before and you worked a whole day job, and you got 20 bands in your car right now, you worked a whole day, you got 20 bands, work hard, you go to your car, somebody 20 steal them, 20 bands out of your car, what are you going to do? You'll be mad, aren't you? You're going to want to hurt somebody. What does that come from? That come from God within our conscience. God let us know what is wrong and what's right. So you don't have to know anything about the Bible to know if somebody takes something from you that belongs to you, it's wrong. That come from the general revelation. God has put there within everybody's DNA in this room. We all in this room knows, know that if somebody takes something from us, that's wrong. So with that being said, God is letting us know if you had a law that told you it's wrong and your conscience tell you things are wrong, And we still do things contrary to what God has gave to our conscience. And what God gave to the word, we have sinned against God. And so Paul is concluding here, though, is that everybody in the world, everybody in this room, everybody in the world has not kept the law of God. The law is God's word. And nobody has kept it to the T. So the whole world stands condemned. So no one is righteous, no, not one. No one is righteous because everybody in this room and everybody in the world has ever sister has sin. So we concluded that no one can be righteous by their own deeds, right? Everybody agree, raise your hand. Amen. So we concluded that no one can be righteous by their own deeds because at the end of the day, one mistake, one sin had disqualified us from everything one mistake had disqualified us from everything so no one can be righteous because we all are disqualified we all do not meet the standard we all stand guilty so Paul turned into the Roman church this is crucial if you forget this that we all stand guilty that we all sin against God if you forget this you won't love each other Y'all like Chris, what are you talking about? Paul is saying, if you forget that you sin against God and that you stand condemned, you won't know how to love each other. But if you're reminded that you stand condemned, that you sin against God, and God has brought you into the family, then you cherish how to love one another. You want to better love each other in the church? Know what God has done, know what you have done against God. Amen. If you know you sin against God, you don't deserve this Christian family, and you get it, then you know how to cherish this family. You don't cherish this family because you don't cherish what God has done for you and your sins. If you cared about your sins, you care about those around you. The reason why so much division and hate in churches, the reason why the church has done so many bad things over the years, you have heard so many different things about the Christian church. How the Christian church has, has proclaimed Christ it went in and hurt so many people around the world in the name of Jesus. You've heard so many things, even with Germany, that the, the actual with Hitler, when it ran on the platform, it was Christians that was actually supporting his platform. And not only that, but even when the Ku Klux Klan, they, they were running up on the campaign of conservative Christianity. And not only that, the genocide that we have heard in throughout Africa, a lot of Christians have been Christian groups. So family, if we are under the baggage, or under the name of Christianity, family, we should be a light to the world, but sometimes we see that Christianity has not been a light to the world. So I would say a lot of those groups are not really true biblical Christianity. They have misrepresented true biblical Christianity. But true biblical Christianity is a group of people that are mirroring Christ. They are showing to the world the love of Christ. They are helping those that are in need. They appoint people to Jesus, not away from Jesus. So family, if we forget our sins, and we forget what God has done for us, we just like those terrible groups that have went before us They have done so many bad things throughout history. We do that to each other by devouring each other and hurting each other. We can do very similar things when we forget that we sin against God. So we must remember what God has done for us. So Paul is doing this in our text today. Paul is reminding them now that now we want to see that all have sinned. Everybody stand condemned. That no one is righteous. Paul leaves them right there. At a place of life. Now what's next? If we all stand condemned, it's over then. It's over. If we all stand condemned, it's over. Think about it. You know, if you was on a big ship by yourself. And that big ship in the middle of the ocean split in half. The whole ship that sink down. No life jacket. You're in the middle of the ocean by yourself. What can you do? The whole ship is under the ocean now. No life jackets you in the middle of the ocean. You're 10,000 miles away from shore. In the middle of the ocean. How can you save yourself? You got sharks in there. You got whales. You got everything around you. You don't have a life jacket. You don't have anything. You're in the middle of the ocean. The storm is starting to get, go crazy. How can you save yourself? It's impossible. It's impossible to save yourself out there by yourself. Well, family, think about us and sin. We was out there by sinning. It's impossible. We're out there by ourselves because we sin against God. That's what Paul is leaving them with. You can't get righteousness now. You're singing. He leaves them with this. But today's text, he shifts it. He wants them to sit and think about it. That you cannot see righteousness because you sin. It's over for you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, Paul opens it up now in our test today some hope. We're going to do it in three points. There's going to be three quick points. The Old Testament testified righteousness came apart from the law. Point number two perfect righteousness is only through faith in Jesus. Point number three who needs righteousness? Point number four. Why is Jesus the only hope for righteousness? So jump point number one. The Old Testament testified that righteousness came apart from the law. Look at verse 21. Look in your Bible. But now righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The law was not for people to keep it to be saved. God didn't give a law for people to keep it and be saved. God knew people couldn't keep the law. He already knew that. That's why he gave the law. He gave the law so we can acknowledge our sins. Not for us to be saved by it. We cannot be saved by keeping the law. Because we cannot keep the law to the key, to the T. It points us to look for righteousness somewhere else. So the law lets us know that we're guilty. Have y'all ever seen someone, and Jalen might know this, and even in the military, that somebody, a sergeant or somebody might be able to tell you to try to see how strong you are. They know you probably can't lift a thousand pounds. But they might say, hey, bench press this thousand pounds 30 times. I'm like, what in the world? I can't do this. I can't lift this bitch, you know, 30 a thousand, I mean 30 times, a thousand pounds, 30 times? Or somebody might give you a hard task at work. Just try to show you, okay, let me put this to this person. I know they can't do it, but let me give it to them anyway. Have you ever done somebody like that before? You knew they can't actually attain this goal, but you gave it to them just to teach them a lesson? Have you done it before, raise your hand. All right. So everybody have done it before, gave somebody a goal that they couldn't attain. Well, God, in a similar way, he gave us the law. And he knew we couldn't obtain the law. But it was a purpose behind it. It was a purpose behind even with jailing in the military. It was a person behind a sergeant trying to teach him a lesson in that moment. Trying to teach him is that you might need someone else to help you. That's why you can't do this. I would teach you that you can't go to war by yourself. Or somebody like you out here. A co-worker. You might was teaching them they thought they was a know-it-all. So you put them in a place to humble them, to show them that you need your coworkers around you, right? Right? Right. In the same way, Jesus is teaching people here in this text. He's teaching them here in this text that God and the law, the law was given. God knew they couldn't keep the law because of their finite being and original sin through Adam and Eve God knew that for them to see they need salvation outside of themselves does that make sense in the same way is the reason why God has given us this law for us to see that we can't save ourselves he has given us the law that we need somebody outside of ourselves to save us and to think about it this has been what God has been proclaiming Through the law and the prophets. But before I say that, do y'all see the first word in this verse 21, the word but? I should have mentioned this earlier. Paul lays out that no one is righteous, no not one. That everybody stands guilty, but this word conjunction but changes everything. Right? You get a, a news about somebody, you hit a deer. You're driving down the road, you hit a deer. And you share it with somebody. I told her the car out. Well, such and such told her the car out. They hit a deer. And the person just standing there waiting. And they're waiting on the next response. Are they okay? They're trying to wait. Waiting. And somebody said, But they're okay. The word but can make a big, major difference, can't it? But can make a major difference. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, You guys stand guilty, but he gives hope. He gives hope to this Roman church. That if you look back to the Old Testament and the law and the prophets, the law is the first five books of the Bible. And the prophets can be almost the rest of the Old Testament. It can be the major and minor prophets. And sometimes David can be thrown in as like a prophet and proclaiming God's word. But for the most part, the law and the prophets pretty much talking about the entire Old Testament. That the entire Old Testament, that the righteousness of God has been manifested through it. That there has always been a person that's going to come and give the righteousness of God that the law cannot save. That he has been revealed by the law and the prophets that the law cannot save, but it's going to be one that come, that's going to come, that's going to keep the law that can that that one can be saved by. Again, the law can't save, and that the way to be saved has been revealed through the law and the prophet. And it testified how the righteous can be given by someone else apart from the law. So Paul is saying that this is not anything new. The entire Old Testament is telling us how to be saved. The law can't save. The entire Old Testament is saying the law cannot save. You know, people in the Old Testament, they were trying to hold the law to the T. Some of them were, some of them wasn't. And some of them, it was actually keeping the law, but their heart was so far from it. Even in Jesus' day, it was this guys called the Pharisees and the scribes. They could memorize so many things about the law, but their heart was so far from it. They thought by knowing the law and keeping the law, they can be saved. But the law didn't do anything but judge them. Point number two. So, after we talked about the point number one, that the Old Testament testified that the righteousness came apart from the law. Point number two perfect righteousness is only through faith in Jesus. This is one of those solo sermons you had the time to be preached faith, faith alone, sola fide, Christ alone, and grace alone. Verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Now the book of Romans is going to turn now. Now the beautiful Romans that everybody's been waiting on the Romans now. Now which is all here in bars. Y'all been waiting on that right in the book of Romans. Paul now has talked about this sin in chapter one, two, and half of three. Now Paul for the now for the root of everything now in now. We all know that everybody has sinned. Now, what's next in this? Paul is saying. Now, let me give you what's next. Paul now for the point to the treasure chest. Is that Aladdin, the cartoon? They try to find the treasure. I don't know what it is. Okay. All right. Well, Paul now points them to the treasure chest. Now. Now you see that all stand guilty. All have sinned. Now we see now. How is it possible for us to make it to heaven? How is it possible for us to be righteous? This this answer points us how to get righteousness since we can't get it by the law. Paul uses the same phrase again that was in verse 21. The righteousness of God. There are all types of righteous deeds in this world. It is righteous to help a poor person to get a hot meal. How many of y'all like to help a poor person get a hot meal? It's righteous to tell the truth. Family, we can do a lot of outward deeds. It's really good. But we can be doing it for the wrong reason. We can be doing it just to be able to take a selfie. Look what I did with this person. (laughs) Look what I did. And so you help somebody just to be seen. You did it for looks. You did it for pats on the back. You did it for all these reasons. So guess what? Outside might look good, but on the inside it was so corrupt. So God sees what's on the heart. He sees when people do things for show, but they're doing it to be fake. So what happened that righteous deed they think they're righteous? They're not really righteous. They're corrupt. So family, not just that person, but all of us in this room, all of us in this room have at some point of our lives have done something in our lives. We thought it was so righteous. God, look what I did today. God, look what I did here. Look what I did this. Family, if we're trusting on our own righteousness, family, we'll be judged by our own righteousness. Paul offers us different righteousness outside of ourselves. Paul offers us a perfect righteousness. Paul offers a righteousness that comes from God himself. And righteousness only can be from someone that has kept kept the law, someone that has been perfect. It couldn't be an ordinary man because all men have sinned against God. Isn't that right, sister? Isn't that right? All of us have sinned. So it had to be someone outside of ourselves. It had to be a person that's divine, a person that is holy, a person that has given every command of God from the law of nature from the law of the scriptures in the Old Testament and they had kept it to the T. family this person's name is Jesus Jesus is the only one that lived his life that obeyed his parents Jesus doesn't do any capping he didn't do any capping everything he did was for real he stood ten toes down in everything he did he was a hundred, a hunted right he kept it real in everything he did. He never made any mistakes. He never lied before. Everything the father asked him to do, he did it. He didn't do it and then slam his the room and say, man, I don't like my mom. I don't like my brother. I don't like my sister. He didn't go behind the closed door and start complaining. He honored his father at every moment. <laughs> Jesus lived the life that we didn't Live. live. That's the difference between us and Jesus. Jesus obeyed; he did everything in love. For us, we have done a lot of things in love, but we also have done a lot of things in hate. So Jesus is the perfect one. He is the only one that is righteous. He is the only one that deserves all the honor, the power, and the glory because he is the perfect one. This remind me, family. This remind me. This is old, Mike and baby. To say this better than me, but. Just, just imagine and envision this. The game scores 98 to 99 in basketball. Last play of the game, a player go up for a layup. A layup. He go up for the layup, then he get fouled to win the game. The opposing teams is, it gets up, and they can't believe there's a foul, and they get mad at the referee, and the whole team storm at the referee. And so the referee call a technical foul on each player that ran off the bench. So each player ran off the bench, that means a technical foul, so the team gets two shots to win the game. Each, each, each player. So if it's 10 players on the team, that means they get to take 20 shots. So the team now is down by one point. They get to pick the player that want to shoot the free throws for the team. So player number one gets up and shoot the free throw. Boing. Then he shoot the second free throw. Boing, he missed. It's still 98 to 99. Okay, now we still got more shots to be shot, right? So the next player, the coach said, well, let me let somebody else shoot the next free throws. So the next player come up and shoot the next free throws, the two free throws. Boing. Boing. 98 to 99 still in the game. So it goes all the way through. The team that now can win the game off of just hitting two free throws, they can't make one. So here comes the last player. All the other players have tried to win the game, and they have shot the shot, and they have missed the free throw. See, Ryan, they have missed the free throw over and over again. So it's the last player, it's the only chance we get to win this national championship. And cross it, Arkansas. National championship. It's the last chance we get. So the player gets up. It's a player that the coach chose the last player to shoot. The the coach didn't think this player can actually do it. He's the weak link on the team. He's the one that nobody expected him to accomplish this goal. This is the one right here that, man, why is he even here today? But he comes up to the free throw line, fragile, haven't even gotten in the game, come up to the free throw line. He doesn't have the perfect form when he's trying to shoot the ball, but he take the basketball to terror, and he put it between his legs, and he throw the ball up in the sky. It goes in. So the score is ninety nine and ninety nine. This unlikely player made the shot, and so the biz now is going crazy. Like, is this the one to win? They go the last shot. He get the ball again, and this time he turns sideways with the ball. He just throws it up again, and it goes in again. Now the team now it was ninety nine. 99. Now the team is 100 to 99. The game is over. This unlikely player that nobody expected to win the game won the game. It reminds me of Jesus, doesn't y'all? This unlikely person, he came, was born of a Virgin Mary, born in a stable, humble, right? He wasn't coming in as a, a major king that the world expected this man to be, this amazing king you know, to be born in a manger. He should have been born in a palace, right? As a true king, he was the one that was humble and born in the manger. Well, this king was the one that came to be the kings of the heart. He the one that people despise. He the one that people didn't want to give a chance to. But family, he's the one that actually won the game. He, the actually the one that did what we couldn't do. Every person that shot a free throw couldn't make the shot. Family, that was us. We got a chance and we blew it. Every chance we got, we blew it. We got to the free throw line again and we blew it. Christ got to it and he won the game. Family, the hope that we have come from him. And that's what we stand at here today. It says it came from him. Family, we depend on him to be our victor. We depend on him. To give us righteousness, because righteousness comes from Him, because He's the only one that deserves it. He's the only one that's under His Father. So for us, we don't deserve it. It brings the point number three. So who needs this righteousness, family? Tells us right here in a famous verse. I think Rod had to tattoo it tattooed on his neck or somewhere. I think he did. Romans three twenty three. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of oh, God. This is where this amazing verse comes from now. I hope you guys never forget the context of this verse, Romans 3.23. A lot of times we just quote it out for evangelism. This verse is often used for evangelism. Believe in you and to share the bad news. That is great to use the verse to share the good news. But family, that's not the total context here. That's not the code of total contest here. Paul is using it to remind the church of the righteousness come from God. We cheat this verse. when we only use it for evangelism. We didn't obtain righteousness by our own works. Paul is letting them know, though, is that since you have sinned, that's why you need the righteousness that come from Jesus. That's why he shared with us in verse 22 about Jesus. He's not pointing them to stay and say, yeah, you sin, you sin. No, Paul is taking them from, since you have sinned, that's why I give you righteousness. Sin is the transgression of the law of God. That's what you said earlier in Greek. God don't get the glory, all the glory when we sin. We make it about ourselves. We make the glory about us, not God. So the question, this points us back to who need righteousness. Family, we all need his righteousness. We all need it. We can't get it ourselves. We all need righteousness. Not just some of the Jews. Man, the Jews control the world, man. Man, the Jews, man, they run the Illuminati. Man, that's all the Jews doing the Illuminati. Man, the Jews, that do all these things. Well, the Gentile, well, it don't matter who run the world. (laughs) I don't care who run the world, that they sin against God. It don't matter who they are. It don't matter who they are. That they have sinned against God, they have disobeyed His command, and they stand guilty before God. And if they die in their sins, they will be punished for God forevermore. It don't matter how much they run the world with, not just Jew but also Gentiles. With a Gentile! This person run the world. It don't matter who run the world. If you don't submit to Jesus, He will punish you. And this Paul gets that. Is that for all have sinned, Jew and Gentile. Hey, Roman church, look around, y'all. All of y'all sin. Don't be just pointing to the Gentiles in the church. Don't be pointing to the Jews. Everybody's sin here. And by doing that is that all of us need righteousness. Point number four. KJ, blink that in six times now. Why is Jesus the only hope for righteousness? Let me give a couple of things here, a couple of points here. Why... Jesus the only hope of righteousness. Look at verse 24 to 26. Wake up, James. Wake up. Because he earned it for us and gives us a gift. Because he earned it for us and he gives it to us as a gift. Look at verse 24. And are justified by his grace as a gift. We don't have to earn it by our works. Yes, you was at work on time. Yes, you helped somebody out. But at the same time, while like you're doing all those good deeds, that doesn't save you. in favorite verses, Ephesians 2, 8-9. through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. It's, not it's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. So no one can throw. That's you sure that's your favorite verse? <laughs> at the end of the day is that Salvation is given by God by grace through faith. Grace. It's not of ourselves, right? So we can't what? Both. We can't boast. Well, I did. We always try to boast about stuff, are not we? Well, I did this. I did this. God said right here, salvation was given to you by me. So you can't boast and say so you did it yourself. You hear that, Michelle? God said, God said, I gave you salvation so you can't boast in your own words. We all want to say, I was the first one to do this. You, know, you were the first one to sin. That's what you were. But God is tell us in the test, though, is that you are justified by His grace as a gift. Family, you don't have to pay for a gift. A gift, this is not like them credit card companies, right? You, know, you sign up to get a gift and the interest rate be skyrocket, right? They set you up for it. There's no schemes with this gift. But this gift from God is purely given to his people. When he gives us grace, family, that's something that he gives for us we don't have to earn it. Well, I walked down the aisle and said, I believe. Family, you didn't do that work to believe. God already began to work in you before you start walking down the aisle Before you said you believe He began the good work in you How can a dead person choose God I've been to a lot of funerals I never saw a dead person get out of the casket Again, if we're dead in our sins How can we choose something good A oh, is think thinking We can't sir. We cannot choose anything good because we're dead in our sins God has to bring us to life And he does that by giving us a gift We are justified If you stood before the court, before the lawyer And he said say, Guilty or not guilty We're right here saying we've been justified and saying that we are being declared Not guilty That's a gift We are guilty but Jesus takes our place And Jesus said you are not Guilty He's like, hold on, I've done all these things. He said, no, you are not guilty, M. Ray. He said, I give you this gift. I give this gift to you. So, family, why we need this hope? Why is Jesus the only hope of righteousness? Because he gave the gifts of justification to us. Amen. We are justified in him, not by our works, words, Shatera, but by Jesus. You don't earn the gift, but it's given to us charitably. Number two, Deja number two, because he took our judgment on himself. We see this in the rest of the verse, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now, Deja is a little bit smarter than me. I know she know them big word propitiation. But the first word, we see some big words here in this verse. In verse 24, it's the word redemption. That's where the name Christ Redeemer comes from. It's the word redeemer, redemption comes from this. Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption, one source says, deliverance, redemption, and ransom, and release. Christ did what it took to deliver us from the judgment at hand. He delivered us from it. Again, when I remember, y'all tell you, I told you I describe, described as being somebody in the ocean, and no one there to help. It's nowhere you're there by yourself in the middle of the ocean. Family, he's the one that came in and rescued us. He redeemed us. He saved us. When that life jacket and all those things were there, he appeared. He rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. When we were dead in our sins, he came in and delivered us. He took, he did with everything that was needed to redeem us from ourselves and from our losses. So redemption, that he was a ransom. He paid the price for us. Let's read the verse, and next part of this, the propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. Propitiation. There you go. Propitiation kind of comes from this word in the Old Testament, you guys remember when Noah and the ark, when he took the animals in the ark, and when he built the ark, he what? He covered it. It's called a covering. He pitched. He covered it. Propitiation, that's the word, means covering. So Christ is what? Our covering by his blood. So he covered us. That the judgment went on him, family. The greatest dudes in the world is so many religions in the world. You got Hinduism. We have Islam. We have Buddhism. You, everybody, asks this question: like, what's the difference, man? All of them, you know, all got the same God. Like, what's the difference? Well, every religion in the world try to work themselves to God. They say, hey, we do more good than bad. I can get closer and be in a better person, right? If I do this, with Islam, with Muslim, you do this right here. The more good you do, the more good you do. The better chance you make it to paradise. The same thing about any other belief system, it does that. Christianity is something different. It's this right here is that we can never do enough good. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. But it was somebody that did the good for us. He was the one that did everything perfect that the Father asked, He did everything perfect. And he did not mess up. And so for us as Christians, we depend on Jesus because he has done everything. And so for us, we're dealing with depression and anxiety every day. We're trying to meet the standards. We're trying and we're trying. We keep messing up. You say, no sex before marriage. No cursing. I'm trying not to do this, but I keep doing it. I try to do this. I keep doing it. Back and forth. You're trying and you're trying to keep messing up. Family, you can keep trying, baby. Uh, family, but you cannot do it, and of your own works. But Jesus came in; he did what you couldn't do. He lived the perfect righteous life, and by him doing that, he said, "Guess what? You messed up." But guess what? I'm gonna give my life to you. So Jesus gives his righteousness to you, and by giving his righteousness to you. The father doesn't see your major failures anymore. All your failure goes on Jesus. So he become that covering. He cover you with his righteousness. And so when you die one day, He's going to look at you, legend. The God going to look at you, legend. If you have Christ's right, he will say, well done, my good and faithful legend. You done a great job. Legend like, man, I just messed up. God said, I don't see that anymore. I wipe your sins away. All your sins are paid for, legend. Isn't that good news? That he doesn't see your past anymore. But guess where all your sins went to? It went upon Jesus. All on Jesus. And Jesus get punished. And who is Jesus covering then? Jesus doesn't have a covering. Jesus has to face the wrath of God. And in all who he was, he had to face his father. And the father in the heaven had to punish his only son because the father gave his righteousness to these people. Wow! So Jesus was punished and his covering was given to you and to me and to those who believe. So he became my propitiation so he can get punished for us so you can live. So what's the greatest news here? Why is Jesus the only hope? He lived the life that we can live. So for everybody in this room that is messed up, look to Jesus. And by looking to Jesus, a whole heaven is going to be full of imperfect people that was made perfect. All them folks that say, I went to church on Sunday. I know all the books of the Bible. I've done all these things right. And they're trusting in themselves. Family, they would not be in heaven. But for those that say, man, I messed up on the books of the Bible. I messed up here and there. But I'm trusting in Jesus. He is conforming me. I'm messing up. He's working on me. Family, for those that are trusting in Jesus, they're going to be in heaven. So it's going to be a heaven going to be full of a lot of folks you think that we're going to make. it? Matter of fact, you might not see them because you, I mean, y'all, y'all going to make it. I know y'all going to believe, right? But some of the folks not going to make it because they think they, they think they all this and all that. And they're so far away from God. All right. All right. Miss Docker blinked at me now. It's about over, Miss Docker. Last thing right here. The last thing why Jesus is the only hope for righteousness. Look at this last thing right here. God wanted his righteousness to be seen. Look at the end of this. The end of verse 25 and 26. This was to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This right here gets at what we talked about in the past. The question when you ask the question is, is an advantage of being a Jew. When he talks about how the Jew, you know, they was giving the oracle to God. And God knew that they sinned against him, that the law condemned them. And for them knowing that the law condemned them, now they're saying is that, well, God, are you, are we truly held accountable? If you knew the law was going to convict us of a sin. So God, should you be to blame for this? So Paul comes back now and turns it all the way back around now. To try to answer this earlier in this about who is, uh, about, the, about the advantage of being a Jew. And Jesus said now, and he said, hey, he comes back, and, I mean, Paul lets him know now, and answer this, and says now, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Paul is getting at is that now, is that, yes, God has given a law to to show you have sinned against him. But he didn't just give you the law to let you stay there. But he gave you the law because one day he was going to send his son to die for the sins of his people not just to be the, uh, a God to be just, but also justify the people for himself. God had tolerated sins from his people in the past. In the Old Testament they would push sin back, push them back. The Old Testament sin wasn't truly forgiven forever. They were just pushed back, pushed back until Jesus came. So when Jesus came in the New Testament, when he took the sins on his people, at that moment, all the sins of his people were put on him. From the Old Testament and all into the future, all of the sins were placed on him. And Jesus done this to show his glory. Everything in the Old Testament was leading up to that moment, and it happened. For all of us to see that we boast in Jesus, not ourselves. Joe Beacon says it as we end. God's attribute of righteousness is now demonstrated. He shows himself to be just by nature in the way he redeems sinners by requiring that his righteous law be satisfied in Christ's obedience and death. He is a just God and a savior. The gospel shows that God as he is in his character, attributes, and glory. That he's just. And by being just, he must punish sin. And family, we don't get punished because our sins are seen no more. That's why he the just and justifier. He justified us. And being a righteous God, he has to punish sin to be righteous. Right, KJ? Right? To be a right God, though, he has to punish sin. But he can't punish sin if they don't have any. Y'all like that, don't you? He can't punish sin if they don't have any. We don't have any because they're born. But for those that are not believing in Jesus, that's who he's going to punish. Because their sins are still on their hands. Let me end with an application. Are you trusting on, are you trusting on coming to church on Sunday, paying your tithes, helping the sick, all these things to secure your righteousness? Are you trusting on those things? If you trust on those things to secure your righteousness, I would say repent. You can't attain your righteousness by paying your tithes to the church. You can't attain your righteousness by giving money or being able to help somebody in church. That doesn't give you righteousness. Repent. Number two. We shall walk daily in humility knowing that Christ gives us his righteousness freely. Elasia. We have something that we don't deserve. And we have it Forever. We have his righteousness. We have his righteousness, something that we don't deserve. We have his righteousness forevermore, Jacob. Forever we have his righteousness and we don't deserve it. So that should teach us to be humble. Maybe, may we at Christ's Redeemer Church be so kind to each other. Rianne, can maybe be kind to each other. Very kind. Look what we have from Jesus. We should be quick, Uh, here, here, here he go, here she go. Let me find something on them. Let me catch them in this. Family, let us not try to devour and try to drown somebody. Let us see that we have been given something we don't deserve. Let us see each other the way Christ sees us, as redeemed people to himself, for those that are in Christ. Last thing here. For those that are still seeking self-righteousness, you will be judged by it on the day of judgment. You feel like, well, I can do it by all my own strength. And you feel like you can save yourself. God will hold you accountable by all your deeds. Now, on that day of judgment, God is going to say, what do you have to bring? You're going to say, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I did this. And God is going to say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. So family, this is God. You heard the gospel today. There's no excuse. You heard the gospel today. So turn to Jesus today. Let me pray for us. Father God in heaven.